the voice of the Blue Bombers one-on-one with Mike O'Shea. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. All right, we have the head coach, Mike O'Shea, with us. The Bombers coming off a uh, substantial victory in Saskatchewan. 1-0 for a second consecutive week with a 45-27 win. Highlighted by... I feel like in 19 weeks from now, we're still going to say the play of the year, the Janarian Grant punt return. We'll talk a ton about that. We'll take your calls at 204-780-6868. Hit me up at DT on OB as well. And the text line uh, is open. Uh, Mike, did you have an emotional response at the time as Janarian was working his way 92 yards down the field? No, I don't. I don't think I saw, you know, I wasn't taking in the big picture. You know, I saw bits and pieces and was looking at other spots as to where the next block occurs maybe or, you know, how guys are working uh, up the field to support them. So I, I don't know. I mean, sure, when he gets in the end zone, it's it took so long. <laughs> it really did. You know, he could have sped it up a little bit. I think it would have been better. He had to run. We were trying to think and talking to Coach Boudreaux. We're like, 160, 170 yards did he run to make the 92 that, yards? You know, that's where they need the trackers so they can put that on the broadcast and, and trace it out again and show them, show, you know, max speed and all the intricacies of it. I yeah. Mean, what an exquisite return. Like, in perfection. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. I mean? Not... Uh, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. The and, and and you mentioned the trackers. I want to know how fast Deontay Williams, the first guy down, was flying at him. Like to make that first guy miss was great, and then Deontay Williams is actually the last guy he made miss as well. Mm. Number twenty four on both ends of it. It was, it's the best play I've ever called. Let's not kid ourselves. And it uh, is, eh? Well, that's awesome. It's good to hear. And it, I mean, I'll never get over uh, how Janarian listed at one hundred fifty seven pounds can take a 248-pound fullback, stiff-arm him off, and keep going like nothing's happened. He's yeah, he, he's, he's got all of that. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, he is fast and quick and strong and powerful and certainly, once again, f- full of grit, right? Yeah. So that's... He's, he's terrific. Beautifully done. All right. Uh, any of your questions and your calls and your texts, 204-780-6868. Let's welcome in Mike on the phone line. Mike, thanks for your call. Your question for the head coach. Uh, hey, coach. Always a pleasure. You know, uh, even as a fan coach, that game was tough to get over. That loss was tough to get over. And uh, it's like you were saying, you know, when it takes a violent, no-nonsense city, and we want our teams to reflect that. Like, obviously, the Bombers do, but I can remember Rick Bonus saying, where's the pushback, you know? And let's keep it real. You know, when you got here, Bombers were a dumpster fire. You know, under your steady hand, you've turned them into the Alpha Dogs of the CFL. I appreciate you know, that, Mike. You know, and uh, you've, uh, I know you don't like the word culture. We'll say environment where the only thing that matters is accountability. You know what I mean? And um, the team can police itself. And as far as I'm concerned, you're a made man for what you've done as a player and as a head coach. Like, I don't know what drives you, but, you know, as for all the fans, decades generations of fans you know like i say we were drowning till you got here so i just like to thank you for all you've done and i'm just gonna hang up on this enough here thanks again i appreciate the uh the comments obviously i've said it once i've said it a thousand times that the group of people that have been assembled here just make it very easy every day players the staff um, the staff surrounding the players you know they're all they're all top notch, so um, it's it's pretty easy. They've uh, the players have 
taken this team to new heights and and really um, keep that room going. Let's welcome in Gail on the phone line. Gail, thanks for your call. Your question for the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Good evening, gentlemen. Congrats to the team and you on the last two wins. I tried to phone last week, but I couldn't get through. Anywho, um, comment. Uh, I'm glad you challenged the Janarian Grant block because I'm watching it on TV going, uh, there was no block. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and then the question is, uh, how are we doing with uh, Jackson Jepko and any of the other injured players that I can't think of their names at the moment? And my last one is, Go get them. The Leos need to go down. <laughs> and I'll take everything off the air. Uh, thank you, Gail. Gail, it's the usual response. All the guys that are have been nicked up are working as hard as they can to get back. They all want to be playing. And, and once again, Al Couture and, and Braden and Al's staff do a fantastic job. But really, it's, it's you know, under those under their guidance, the players – they put in so much effort to to get healthy again, right? Like they they drive it, right? So um, you never want to rush them. We know how long the season is, and we want these guys available for the long run. So uh, Jeff Coat on the six game injured list this week. That's not a move you make lightly, right? Well, depends on how you mean that. We we put a lot of people on the six game that might not be six and then you can account for them later if you want to take them off but you can't put them back on you can't put them on retroactively so the smart business decision is to six game guys and then see where they end up you know yeah but that's that's the business side of it from the injury report from practice today brady Oliveira did not participate with a i always love it when teams say thorax i like it uh dalton shown like he's a bug Right, exactly, exactly. Carapace. It was some, a carapace injury. <laughs> some sort of chestal region thing. Uh, Dalton Schoen did not practice with a hip injury. Alden, Alden Darby, Alden Darby, pardon me, uh, with illness. Read a Cramdy in a spot today. Demario Houston, not injury-related for his non-participation today. And Tui Ellie and Cam Lawson, again, uh, not participating as well. Obviously, guys on the six-game injury list not participating in a practice Today, uh, let's go one more on the phone lines. It's Brian is with us. Uh, Brian, thanks for your call. Your question for the head coach. Hi, guys. Uh, I have a couple of questions for you, Mike. But first, Derek, I want to say it was refreshing to see you on the, the Jets post game show. I have laughed when you said 10 minutes to kick off for a hockey game. So. <laughs> That's, I, I had one day where I, it just, I fell back into the old routine. Yeah. <laughs> and Mike, on, on, the, on the ground play there, they didn't on TSN. It didn't show that there was a flag, or the announcers didn't say there was a flag. Did they? Was the flag thrown right, right away? Uh, I saw the flag come out from our, you know, when you're watching the film from our copy, like the coach's copy. So the sideline angle, uh, you could see the flag um, come out. Uh, I knew there was a flag down, and I mean that's probably Derek. When you asked me those questions, I probably, you know, I I knew there was a flag down, so I was probably looking at a couple other things too. Um, so I, I don't know why the TV copy wouldn't show that, but yeah, I definitely saw it. Yeah, there, you're right, Brian. There was no TV replay angle that we got that that showed that any reason for that flag to be down or, or where the, the flag came. Or there was a block. There was no TV angle that showed there was an illegal block either. Well, what what the <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Certainly wasn't one on Nick Dembski on whom it was called. But we didn't. Uh, you're right, Brian. We didn't see in, in the TV broadcast where that would have happened. Did you do it in the radio broadcast? 
Uh, this is embarrassing. We were so busy celebrating what Doug Brown called the best punt return he's ever seen that I, I kind of didn't notice until I went, Doug, why are they lining up at the 20-yard line? Please don't tell me they've taken this away. So for us, the flag was kind of buried behind the Saskatchewan bench, and our operator was the only one who, in fact, saw it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were. It was that was not my proudest moment, but I'm pretty happy that I freaked out over the call and it ended up. I'm very happy, coach, that you challenged and it stood because that was it made me look okay. Yeah, team effort. Like I said a lot of a lot of a lot of people. You rely on a lot of people for input when they, you know, the angle I'm getting is is. Uh, from so far away on that all 24. So uh, coaches in the booth do a great job. You were, you were saying that on the sideline where you are, you have limited looks at limited number of looks at it versus what your coaches upstairs would have. Yeah. They would have access to TSN upstairs. Um, and then when you're, you know, it's interesting, it's different from a home stadium to an away stadium, right? You might, they might not show that replay on their board on their video board because they don't want me to take a look at it. Right. Gamesmanship all the way around. It's a should be. It should be. That's the way it should work. Is it? You know, when you're at home, you should have the benefit of seeing what you want to see and not showing them what you don't want them to see. I uh, I could not argue with that, Brian. Thank you for your call. I appreciate you. you, Brian. Nice enough to join us. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. We will break plenty more with the head coach Mike O'Shea on the other side. It's coach's show at six eighty CJOB. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. It's brought to you by Pro-Line Gold Fungicide from Bayer, your canola crop's best defense against cereal disease. 204-780-6868 for your texts and calls. Uh, Plenty of callers. I want to hit up a couple of the texts as we go. Uh, Question for the coach. uh, Why not Tyrell Pigram on short yardage? Congrats on the win and good luck on Thursday. Yeah. Drew Brown did it successfully uh, when he first started with us, and we just feel he's got a, a better handle on it right now. Tyro Pigram's not out of the mix. He's still with the team. Everything yeah, absolutely fine. Yep. He was very he's more work at it. That's all. He was very impressive in, in preseason. He was a he was a ton of fun uh, to watch. Alvin says, uh, "Great game Friday. Very happy with the offensive line play. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Chris Kolankowski. I was had some concerns there'd be a drop off with the loss of Michael Couture, but so far, Alvin says I have not seen it. Uh, Chris Kolankowski. Well, he's played a ton of games for us. I mean, Michael Couture broke his arm last year and was out for a number of games in the year prior to that too. Uh, Chris had, had played some games for us. We." He's once again, he's he's full of grit and uh, makes the right calls, puts the guys in the right spots, and he's he's just a worker, right? So, um, yeah, we we felt that this was something we could do. Yo, all right, let's uh, go to the phone lines and welcome in Gary on line one. Gary, thanks for your call. Uh, your question for the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Yeah, thanks, um, Mike. First of all, nice game against uh, Saskatchewan. We enjoyed that. But my question is, uh, chain of command on decision-making. I was watching that Edmonton game, and it was clear their starting quarterback was struggling. And there was even the announcers were speculating that they might make a quarterback change at halftime or later on. If a quarterback is pulled in favor of someone else, is that the head coach's decision or would it normally be the uh, offensive coordinator? Uh, there's, there's, I want to say two things about this. Um, Taylor Cornelius, you know, whether 
it's talked about like he's struggling, I think is interesting. I think the offense might have been struggling, okay. right? Not just Taylor Cornelius. So I, I wouldn't, you know, All right, it's hard without knowing the play calls and, and the instructions to the O-line and the receivers and the running backs. It's hard to comment on a on another team. I think it's just easier to say in, as a group, they, you know, they needed to do whatever they needed to do to help their team win. Um, as far as how we would run it in terms of making a quarterback change, I, I would never um, make that decision uh, on my own. Ultimately, it would be my decision, and I would own that decision. Uh, but I would certainly, you know, consult with Buck <laughs> first. Okay. You know, Buck has very intimate knowledge of uh, everything the quarterbacks are being asked to do, uh, how they're doing it, how well they're doing it. Uh, if it's not going well, if there's something that needs to be fixed or, or coached or whatever, so we would we would, you know talk long and hard about any decision like that. Okay. Ultimately, it would be, it's, it would always be the head coach's decision. Um, okay. You'd never pass the buck on that, but uh, I would certainly, I would want as much information as I possibly could get from the expert on that, which, which would be buck. I'm not a quarterback expert. Okay. And yeah, thank you. That's a good answer. But you led me to one other thing. Um, would you ever, change a quarterback you said the whole offense wasn't operating but would you ever change a quarterback just to change the rhythm or that without necessarily being the quarterback's fault sometimes in a hockey game for instance a goalie will be uh bold and it's not his fault but just to give a different look yeah i i don't know i i think that's an interesting question i think the two sports are very different um you know, there's always a, a certain level of gut feel that goes into any decision you're making, uh, not just personnel decisions. There's a certain amount of flow and, and gut feel that you rely on um, to help decision-making um, as you go along. It's not just all stats, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, but uh, I don't know. It would be That's hard to answer. Once again, they're, they're, they're completely different sports. Gary, thanks for your call. We appreciate you being with okay, us. Okay, good. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. All right, let's go to uh, Craig is on line number two. Uh, Craig, welcome to the Coach's Show. Your question for the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Hey, Coach. Uh, thanks a lot for the big win uh, against the Riders. Uh, I've got lots of buddies that are Rider fans, and I always say there's only three games I want you guys to win every year, and that's those those three against the Green and White our uh, question is, um, is there any update on Kelly Lawler's situation when he might be back? And when he is, uh, do you see maybe an opportunity to uh, have a few more long balls down to him and Sean uh, if, uh, you know, the take away a little bit of opportunity to double team? Uh, there's no update on his return uh, to the field just yet. Uh, we are obviously anxiously awaiting that. Um you know, it the the long passes, you can – I think our offense does a great job of manufacturing and creating those, and then sometimes you run into defenses there. Everybody's deep all the time, and they're just – they want every ball caught in front of them. They never want to get – no defense wants to get have a ball caught behind them, that's for sure. So um, it does it does pose its challenges, and I think, our, you know, obviously Buck does a great job uh, with his staff of, of – creating game plans every week that that put us in a great position to win um, and take into account that the defense is trying to take away a lot of different things. So our guys are very creative in finding ways to, to get our athletes the ball. 
Thanks, Coach. Go Blue. All right. Thanks, Craig. There's Craig on the line. Uh, no shortage of deep balls in this last game. I think of Dalton Schoen. I think of Dembski going, I guess, your left or right draws a pass interference call on a deep ball. It wasn't a catch, but uh, Carl Nagadosi, pass interference in the end zone, technically a deep ball. No, uh, I don't know of any shortage of, of deep passes because uh, Zach seems to enjoy throwing them and guys seem to enjoy catching them. And I assume Buck likes calling them too. Wow. Zach has been right on the money, right? Oh, so, so far. So it's, it's good. He is fantastic. One more before we hit the break. Colleen is with us in line three. Colleen, thanks for your call. Your question for the head coach. First of all, congratulations on the win. Um, I just had a quick question about the, the uh, Willie Jefferson thing. Like when he um, got penalized for somebody actually knocking his helmet off, would that be a challengeable thing? Because you won your first challenge, so I'm just not sure why um, you perhaps didn't choose to challenge this one. Yeah, I I can't challenge that. Um, I've sent an email to the league asking for clarification. Obviously, you know, after the fact or very shortly after the fact, it's, it's quite evident that he gets his helmet knocked off. The officials said to me during a, a, a TV break, TV timeout that, uh, yeah, they were wondering the same thing, how, how his helmet came off. And they said the command center couldn't definitively say that it was knocked off by the offensive lineman. But uh, upon further video review, 10 seconds after we took the penalty, it was quite clear that the offensive lineman knocked Willie's helmet off, which that's just one of those uh, kinks in that rule that says you got to put your helmet back on to proceed no matter how it comes off. And generally speaking, they miss those penalties uh, quite a bit, you know, in terms of how a helmet gets yeah. removed from a player's head. It feels like the rule is a good one. Don't participate in a football game without a helmet when everybody else has a helmet. But as Doug said during the broadcast, well, how did his helmet come off? That's the probably first, address yeah. that part of That's it. That's the first question in rules committee we've always asked. You know, shouldn't we find out how it came off? Yeah. Not saying it's not a penalty on on Willie for participating, but there would have been we would have ended up with a five yard gain. Yeah, they would have had a five yard loss on some that sort penalty. of hands to the face or whatever oh, it might be. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's it's not a it's not an undangerous play when yeah. if an offensive lineman if this is what happened wrenches a guy's helmet off his head that can. I could hurt a guy. Well, Willie so, keeps yeah. his helmet done up. You don't see Willie's helmet coming off. No. And you don't see a lot of our guys. Their helmets do not come off regularly. They, they put their chin straps on. They do it the right way. Yeah. Plenty more to come with the head coach. Uh, Brett, stick with us if you can through the news break. We'll get to you next. It's the Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Coach's show brought to you by Procero Pro Fungicide from Bayer, your best defense against serial disease. 204-780-6868 for your calls and texts. Uh, Brent has been patient enough to wait through the break. Brent, thank you for that. Uh, your question for the head coach. Oh, thank you uh, so much for taking my call. Hi, coach. How's it going, Brent? Good. Uh, I work in a leadership position, and I know how challenging it can be. And I've had a number of, been fortunate to have a number of great mentors in my career. And you're someone that I have really admired in that, in that role. Uh, two quick questions. What would you say is your best advice for inspiring others? And part two, would you consider writing a book on leadership? Because if you would, I would be the first to buy it. Oh, 
I, I am just not qualified to write much of anything, to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so, I my my uh, my wonderful mother is a English major, and she would cringe at the way I speak and the way I butcher the English language. So she would be quite upset if I tried to write anything. I'm sure. Would you have Ed Tate ghostwrite a book for you? No. Okay. No. no. Because Ed, Ed can write the hell out of a sentence. <laughs> yeah. Let's no. not kid ourselves. No. And then um, you, you asked about sort advice of you might give for lead, for leading. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that I ever try to inspire anybody. I think we just, um, you know, we take great care for the people in our building, or we try to. I hope people in our building feel that way. Um, you know, we always think of the person first not the player or not the employee, not what they can do for us, but sort of what we can do for them. We, you know, we, as a coaching staff, we look to serve the players. Um, and, you know, I think the simple thing for our team is um, th their inspirations in the locker room with them, right? They can just look around and everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a journey that got them to where they are. And some of them are, are, they're all unique and mostly quite interesting and, um, you know, just filled with hard work and dedication and, and, <laughs> you know, bumps and bruises along the way. So I, I don't know that, uh, I spend a lot of time trying to think on how to inspire them. I, I, you walk into that locker room or you walk into that meeting room to start the day and you look around and it just gives you the energy you need anyway. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's all right there in front of us. It, it feels like to take this to a broader context, you put the employee first, knowing that the employee knows the goal we're trying to accomplish and they will, yeah. they will find the best way to do it. it yeah. Feels like. I, I, I don't, we don't ever talk about them like that. No, right? no, but to take but it to a, a non-football text, non-football text. Yeah. It's, they're all people first, right? Yeah. They happen to be, in your business or working together, you know, for a common goal, hopefully. Um, but, uh, you know, they have whole lives that are going on outside of work hours or during work hours that they're not a part of. Right yeah. Now. Can I, uh, can I hit you with a couple of questions from Twitter? They happen to come from Saskatchewan folks, but they're pretty gentle. Is that, a, is that all right? At, Do whatever. This is your show. At M. Blair YQR, what does Coach O'Shea think of Regina-style pizza? Uh, I used to really enjoy that 10-pound pizza we would have after games. I'm trying to remember the exact place. Was it Houston Pizza? It was No, it was at, it was at Uncle Wayne's. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, that's not the name of the place, but I can't remember the name of the place. But Wayne was related to Chad Folk our center in Toronto. Okay. So we would go, cause we always stayed over. We would head to this pub after and get the 10 pound pizza oh boy. and maybe the odd beverage. Yeah. Uh, at Ambler YQR, Regina style pizza is terrible. It's terrible until San Lucia came to Regina. I hated living there cause it was just, it was awful. And uh, Jamie Nye says, how long should a coach get? And this is dripping with sarcasm, as you might expect from a fellow radio person. How long should a coach get until they decide when to challenge a place? 60 seconds, three minutes, a half hour. It, it, I was, I was given the 30 second warning before they, as they went to the commercial. Yeah. Can you, because of an injury, right? So can you explain it? Yeah. You I got I a lot of time in the, it felt like to rider fans. Well, there was an, I think there was an injury on the field, correct? 
Yes. So they're going to they're gonna make a decision to go to break. I have to throw my challenge flag before they go to break. Okay. Um, or I don't know when they're going to break, but you know what I mean? An official comes over and says, you got 30 seconds to, th- to throw your challenge flag. And that's the used to. You could go to commercial break, come back and throw your challenge flag. So you had a three-minute window or whatever yeah. it was. So they ended that very quickly because it was just a drain on broadcasts, right? And fans' patience. Oh, yeah. So now you have to throw it within a, a very specific time frame. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's not It's not uh, a long time frame. It was probably longer than normal because of an injury. But they come over fairly quickly and say, okay, you got 30 seconds. We would have challenged it whether there was an injury or not. You know, yeah, I so I would have advocated for just blind throwing your challenge flag because that was that was it, and you would take more care than that. But I'm, that's such an enormous play potentially in well, the in the scope the, of that game. The fact that there was a scoring play, yeah, that I think any type of scoring play, you would certainly be willing to risk a challenge um, more frequently than non-scoring plays. I would say, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Jamie, uh, it was regular. It was regular. I know you're a Riders fan, but regular. It was all legal. They didn't give me any more time. It's <laughs> let's, let's go back to the phone lines again. 204-780-6868 for your texts and calls. Uh, Kevin is with us. Kevin, thank you for your call. Uh, your question for the head coach. Yeah, hey, coach. So I've been watching football for 45 years, and I don't recall a blocking penalty ever being overturned. So is this something new, or am I just showing my ignorance on this? No, it's uh, it was allowed. Uh, I don't know how many years ago they they put that in the challengeable bucket. Um, I think I've seen it used successfully once and used maybe once or I don't know. I, I, yeah, seem I, to, I seem to recall ever. Orlando Steinauer maybe winning a challenge on that, but I, I could be mistaken. It is it is rare. I mean, as as coaches. Um, I think as a group, we would be hard pressed to challenge that because just are they going to have enough evidence, right? Are they going to have the angle that shows it clearly? And then the fact is, um, and I might be misspeaking, but I believe once the flag's thrown, they can find another one. Well, the ref, you know, so they, they, so they, they clear up the, the number, they give you a number to, that you have to challenge. I would like to challenge the called illegal block on Winnipeg number 22. And they say, well, then check 34. Okay. I would like yeah, to like challenge, said, you know, and then I've afterwards never, they say, yeah. we've looked at all the blocks. Well, you're going down the road, you know, we, we did look at all the blocks very quickly. It's once again, it's pretty easy to tell if no one's on the ground and no one's really, you know, no one's being held or, Push from behind. I mean, holding is different than illegal block. It was called an illegal block. It wasn't called holding. So okay. you can put pretty well look at, just want to see if anybody's on the ground and then you or can are you, are, investigate Are you able that. to challenge holding then or no? No, only illegal block. A called okay. illegal block. Okay. Well, on, right, on a return coach, play. Um, all right. Well, don't need to say good luck Friday because you don't need it. Or Thursday, sorry. So just go beat the, go beat BC. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> One of the, I, I would think why we've not seen any overturn when, when the official comes back and says, we looked at every possible block, I think, well, in a 20, in a 30 second return with 24 guys who might have to make multiple blocks, there's a lot, there'd be a lot of blocks to look at. And 
if if the one he threw the flag on was not illegal, but there was another one that what there's 19 other blocks to look at that may be illegal. So as to why it, one none of us could remember it being overturned either, but it was yeah. I just don't think it gets challenged. It's it's so rare to challenge that one. It's not. We'd like to, but the the chances of winning are because they can now look at the entire play. It's yeah. difficult. Once again, I, I'll double check all that. I'll fact check all that with the league, but that's the way I know it to okay. be too, yeah. He is the head coach, Mike O'Shea, with us every Monday here. Uh, Chris, we'll get to you on the other side of the break if you will stick with us. The Coaches Show continues on 680 CJOB. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Brought to you by Pro-Line Gold Fungicide from Bayer, your canola crop's best defense against cereal disease. 204-780-6868 for your texts and calls for the head coach Mike O'Shea on the heels of the first victory of the season over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Chris is with us. Chris, we appreciate you holding through the break. Uh, your question for the head coach. Hey, Mike. Uh, how's it going there, buddy? Not bad, Chris. Uh, what- How you doing? Not too bad, just enjoying the weather here. Um, good win against the uh, arch rivals uh, from Regina. Um, the uh, question for you, are you going to use uh, both running backs during the season on the field, or are you going to use uh, Nick Dembski as uh, more or less of a backup running, uh, running back with uh, Oliveira on certain calls? Uh, we have the ability to do it all. We've run um, various packages. Uh, I think last year, I actually was interested in this, came up in conversation just the other day with Kevin Burgoyne. I think we had 11 different personnel packages uh, last year around there. So, um, yeah, all these guys are are very versatile. They all know multiple positions. Uh, we can move guys around um, as we see fit as Buck would see fit in terms of game planning, what might uh, help us be successful. So if, uh, if, well, if, if an opponent presents an opportunity that we think we can capitalize on, we'll try and we'll try and use it. Another question quickly here. Uh, just saw the Toronto game yesterday and uh, they use two running back system. Uh, hopefully uh, we can, uh, utilize a two-back uh, running system or use Dembski in the backfield more. Um, i like to see Dembski getting the ball more um, to against uh, BC's uh, defense. Yeah. Taking Dembski back to his old Bison days when he yeah, was a running back. We, we have we have in the past used um, multiple two-back sets. Tim, When Tim Flanders was here, we used a two-back set quite often and and once again, we have the ability to to do that. It's just whether or not the game plan calls for it. I mean, um, and Nick Nick is quite capable. He showed, you know, some brilliance when he took the ball out of the backfield last year and scored some. He scored one touchdown that was pretty scored, pretty, uh, pretty neat to watch. So um, he he's quite capable from the backfield. Understands the protections too. That's what you have to realize is it's not just about putting him back there and getting the ball to him. Right? They got to be able to block yeah. too. Yeah, well, like I say, one more two, one more question, O'Shea. I wish you and the team good luck on Thursday, and uh, uh, let's get the uh, let's get get the ball rolling here on Thursday night. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much for your call. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you being with us on the Coaches Show. Two zero four seven eight zero 
6868. Uh, Dembski's such a neat character within the Canadian Football League. Uh, we we did it in a pregame show last year of nobody had more carries from slot back and carries from running back. And he's generally 75% of his targets were within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, but he had more 30 plus yard plays than everybody save for Darrell Walker, blah, 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 since the beginning of his career. He is just very. He's a piece I think every offensive coordinator would love to have within their offense. No doubt. No doubt. He is, he, he can do all of it. He's, he's really evolved. And we, we all knew, once again, we all knew what kind of athlete he was, he was coming out of university, just a terrific athlete. And he's, he can, he can do it all for you now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, he, we had him on the post game show after week one. And I said, Nick, I don't know if I've said words anymore in my year plus in the job than Dembski on the corner route. Cause there he is just taking guys to the wide side. And it's, he's a, a ton of fun to watch. And he's one of ours, Manitoba Bison, Winnipeg's finest, uh, Nick Dembski. Mike hit us up on Twitter at DT on OB if you uh, so choose. Uh, Mike wants to know, says, uh, for word, word for word is question, why do we use our practice roster almost entirely for O-line globals and leave ourselves so thin in areas like edge rusher, running back, or linebacker? And I can spell out who's on the practice roster, but do you have a, an initial reaction? Well, uh, we, we dress a pile of linebackers. Um, so if you have them dressed, you don't they're not on the PR, right? Although we do have a linebacker on the practice roster right now. Yeah. Um, and one on the sixth game and, and an edge rusher on the sixth game. Um, so, yeah, we flip our practice roster around a little bit, but the way the situation is with uh, with American O-linemen right now, they're with these other leagues, they're, they're hard to find. So when you get good ones, you want to keep them around. Um, you're allowed three globals on the PR above your 10. So... Your practice roster, if you have three globals, your PR goes from 10 to 13. If you have oh, okay. no globals, you have a practice roster of 10. So it makes sense to have three globals on your practice roster because there's three more bodies that you would use that are good players. I mean, you see how Carl Schmitz punts. <laughs> you know, <laughs> There are two moons in the sky well, when he's practicing. It, like it's you, You'd like to have him around. And yeah. Tomoya Machino is a good offensive lineman who's played for us. Yep. Right, so and Suleiman Karamoko. Yes, he is in training camp. Is growing, noticeable. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's like even in practice today. He's growing to a, a point where it's going to be. It's, you you got to get him on the field at some point. Right? Yeah. So these guys are, they've they've developed right, um, and it makes sense to have as many guys as you possibly can carry. You know, I'm trying to think you, you, the point about linebackers being on the roster. I feel like I've seen depth charts that had seven linebackers for the two spots. That's that's a lot of bodies that can yeah. that don't have to be on the PR. I'd never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. like you you want them on the field, right? You don't want to keep them on the PR necessarily. Yeah, uh, we got a couple minutes left. Just uh, some things that that I had uh, from the game. Uh, you know what? Let's we'll bail on those and we'll talk about the challenge of the BC Lions for the second straight season. You get an early season matchup with the BC Lions, who also look like a powerhouse in the West. What have you seen from them so far? Yeah, they look very good. They're seem to uh Vernon Adams seems to be running the offense very well. Uh he looks very confident back there in the pocket. Um obviously he's athletic enough to get out of the pocket and extend plays. Uh he looks like he's extending plays and looking downfield to 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 make a pass, not just pull it down and run, which he's absolutely capable of doing. 
Uh, their defense, they, they just pitched a shutout. They're they're very good. Um, you know, we're we've got to play our best football. I mean, that's I think what the goal is. One of the goals every week. I don't know. We talk about it like that, but you know, we want to be better every single week. We don't want to stay the same. So um, we'll we'll look at it from our point of view in terms of are we getting better? Yeah. Did we improve from the week before? Can the offense be better? It's I, seventy-eight sure or seventy-nine points in two games. I'm sure is, they can. I'm sure they can. That's terrifying. I don't have I don't have that much voice to scream Calaro's guns at the shown for the I touchdown. I don't know that any opponent is terrified, right? They're confident. No, I'm, for they, me, I'm terrified. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they they believe they're going to put together a game plan that's going to stop us, and you know, our three phases will work together to to win a game and and really, you know, work to be better than we were last week. Which would absolutely be something. It was incredibly entertaining uh, win in Saskatchewan. Seven thirty kickoff Thursday night game. The first of four Thursday nighters for the Bombers. I believe it's in fact three at home. But seven thirty will be the game. The kickoff five thirty. The pregame show live from the tailgate area at IG Field. We'd love to have you come down and join us. And like I say, if you ask Doug Brown for a picture in that giant inflatable chair, he's going to do it. And who who wouldn't want a picture with a CFL Hall of Famer in a giant inflatable chair? at their football game. Uh, Coach, thank you so much. We'll see you back at practice tomorrow. Thank you so much for your calls and your texts on the Coaches Show on 680 CJOB.